Welcome, fellow travelers, to another episode of Fate's Wide Wheel. I'm your host, Sam, and this week we are talking about Closure Encounters, the third episode of Season 2 of the Quantum Leap Revival. I'm really excited about this one. This might be my favorite episode of the first five. Um, I'm not sure. There's some really, really great stuff, both in in, in episode one, obviously, um, which I really enjoyed. And I, I loved the fact that it was just a different kind of story uh, telling, uh, I suppose, um, because it focused pretty much exclusively on the leap. And then, of course, we got the big reveal at the end. But there was just some wonderful storytelling, excellent gas cast, very tight uh, ensemble in episode one. Two, you know, it was fine. It was good. I, I didn't have problems with it. It's just very, very hard, I think, to have a successful uh, episode based around that particular trope because it's something we've seen so many times. And there was some split attention, obviously, between the leap and the project stuff and a lot of necessary kind of you know, gathering uh, of the crew and and getting kind of everything set up. So there was a lot of setup. Uh, of course, we had the phenomenal scenes between Ben and Addison, both the scene where they're separate. Um, you know, when we see Ben on the screen and Addison seeing him, uh, which was lovely. And then the the revelation at the end when Ben realizes that Addison has moved on, which is just some magnificent acting um, by Raymond Lee specifically. Uh, and of course, seeing Ian as the hologram, they were, you know, wonderful, so, so much humor and, and um, a beautiful dynamic, obviously, between Ben and Ian as well. So a lot to like about the episode, but certainly I, I don't think that it necessarily compares um, to episode three. Uh, and then I can't say anything about episode four and five, except that I will say that there's a lot of really great stuff in both of those episodes as well. So it's hard to, to make that determination. But I think if I'm just going uh, on that kind of intuitive feeling, three could possibly be my favorite of the first five. Um, We'll talk uh, in depth about the episode, lots of stuff to share, some really cool history about the episode as well. And uh, I have a, an exclusive interview with writer Romy Lore. Uh, of course, Romy was on the show uh, last season for Ben Song for the Defense, which was the first episode of television she ever wrote um, and was uh, ever aired. So uh, super exciting to have her back. This, of course, is her second episode of television ever. Uh, and I think um, as much as I liked Ben Song for the Defense and obviously the interplay between Jen uh, when she was the hologram and Ben was superb and the story was great and I just really loved so much about that episode. I think uh, uh, Closure Encounters um, you know, could potentially even surpass that episode uh, in, in some really fine ways. Um, there's some excellent character growth. Uh, the, 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 the plot, uh, I really enjoyed. It just, it just really fits and some of the dialogue in particular really sparkles. And we get the introduction of Hannah, which I'm going to talk a lot about. Um, so we'll get to all of that in a minute. I do want to just open up with a couple of, you know, random show notes. First of all, I, I had a, a lovely member of the fandom reach out to me with a private message and, um, you know, they they made some statements that really, you know, made me take pause and think about some things, um, not just for the Quantum Leap fandom, but fandom in general. And it was a wonderful reminder. And there was nothing, you know, really negative about the message. Again, it was a really lovely message and it was very supportive, uh, both of, of me and, and Fate's Wide Wheel, which was awesome. And I really was grateful for that. Um, but one of the things that it certainly reminded me of, and one of the things that they you know, basically stated through through the message is that it's important to kind of curate safe spaces for ourselves. And sometimes that might mean disengaging from certain aspects of the fandom or even the thing that 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 we love um, for whatever reason. And I, I know 
I, I look sometimes as an outsider uh, because I don't engage that much with the Star Trek fandom, for instance. When, when I kind of, from the outside looking in, I can't help but think to myself, wow, I think some people would be a lot happier if maybe they just didn't watch it anymore. Um, and I think that that's okay. And that's not necessarily what this message was about specifically, but it just made me think about how we can curate those safe spaces for ourselves and 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 how in this day and age, just because of the way that we utilize social media to discuss these things that we love and that we even have a word like fandom, for instance, and, and, and you know, and we kind of find uh, our, sp our, our spot, our spaces to, to uh, engage with, um, that, that sometimes it's not always healthy and it can affect our mental health, uh, our emotional well-being, and that it's okay to disengage and, and, and find things that we love and we enjoy that stimulate us in positive ways as a opposed to just kind of sticking it out for reasons. Um, it's, it's like a relationship, you know, you can, you can be with someone, you can, you can love someone and then things start to maybe not work out and you find yourself struggling to be happy. Um, you find yourself struggling to take joy in the things that used to make you happy. You basically fall into a depression and the best thing to do sometimes is to, is to get out, you know, is to break up. Um, and that can be really hard and it can suck and it can hurt too. And so I don't want to be melodramatic and make too much of it, but I just think that it's incredibly important, you know, in this day and age that sometimes we take a break if we need it. And sometimes we can, we can walk away and it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to stop watching or, you know, we have to stop enjoying the thing, but maybe we just kind of stop engaging with the fandom because uh, we're not feeling uh, appreciated or we're not feeling heard or we're not feeling seen or we're not deriving joy out of it. Um, and I think that in this life, it is incredibly important to engage with the things that you can derive joy from. And uh, I, I, I just, I'm really grateful um, that, that they passed on this message and uh, I, I'm, I'm grateful for them. And um, it was, it was a moment to, to reflect on some of those things. And I just wanted to share that. Um, and, you know, certainly not naming any names or going into any more detail than that. Um, but for, for the sake of, of conversation, I wanted to throw that out there uh, because, it, again, it can be, it can be difficult. Um, and as it pertains to Quantum Leap specifically, you know, this is a show that basically has, you know, this 30 plus year history. And there are many, many, many people um, from the, you know, from about my age into, you know, their, their 60s, even their 70s, maybe even their 80s, who are, are watching this show, who watched the original series when it aired in, in you know, 89 and 84. And um, I think when you when you bring that baggage, for lack of a better word, into this experience, um, depending on how you handle that, it can create a viewing situation that, you know, perhaps isn't necessarily what you want it to be, or as enjoyable as, as you want it to be. And that's okay. And it's okay, um, as much as I want everybody to watch this show, and I want it to just have gangbuster ratings, and I want, you know, this show to be the show, the destination watch for, you know, for millions and millions and millions of people. The truth of the matter is, is that if it's, you know, if, if, if it's not bringing you that, if it's not stoking those fires, it's okay to go and watch something else. Um, 
What it's not okay to do, though, and I feel like I see this a lot, and I and I hate to say this, and not that I'm the arbiter of what's right and what's wrong by any stretch, but I don't believe personally that it's okay to continuously throw out derogatory comments about the cast, the crew. Um, specifically, I see it directed to you know a couple of specific people in the cast, and I see it directed towards uh, uh, you know the writers in general, like the, the, this amorphous blob that some people make them out to be. And I don't think it's fair and I don't think it's right. And I think that a lot of people making these judgments, you know, could they do it? That's the question that I'm always left wondering. And it's like, you know, and if you can, then go write something that you want to see. That's how a lot of great art is started. JJ Lindell and I had this discussion. Deborah Pratt, when she was on the show, you know, had these comments to make. And I think that if, if, if you're not seeing what you want, then 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 go create it go create it. The ability is out there. there. You know, we have so much technology at our disposal and yeah, it can take time. And yes, it, can, it has to start small and get big. You're not going to just walk in and get a network show or whatever. But, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of value in being able to express yourself and create the things that you want to see in the spaces that you want to see them in. Um, that said, watch the show. It's great. Episode three in particular is phenomenal. And, uh, I, I'm so glad that, uh, as you're, as you're watching this, as you're listening to this, uh, you've seen it, you've seen closure encounters. And I think that the first thing to note about the episode is the emotional state that Ben is in after the revelations from the end of Ben and Teller. Um, I love the fact that we're getting to focus more on the character arcs than the plot arcs. And that to me is one of the biggest steps forward that the series has made uh, in the transition from season one to season two. And mind you, and this is something that we talk about in the interview with Romy Lore, uh, there was no time, there was no break. There was no, they didn't go away, recharge, take a breath and then come back with these, you know, these ideas. It was, it was midstream that, that, you know, that Martin kind of threw out this idea and said, this is what we're going to do in season two. We're going to have this time jump. You know, this is where the relationships are going to be. And so I think it's wonderful the way that the that the character arcs and the character growth and, and examining the situations that the characters are in has taken precedence over any sort of larger plot arc. Um, and, and obviously there's stuff to figure out, right? Why three years? Sure. Um, you know, what 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 could Ian be hiding? Sure. But. I love that it's not at the forefront as much as the stuff for season one. And part of that was out of necessity. I mean, it's your first season, you're telling this big story. And, 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 and again, I enjoyed that story, but there's just something about the work that's being done now um, that I'm engaging with on a completely different level. And I'm appreciative of the writing and the acting. Um, I mean, the acting is just, is, is really, really, really good um, for the show. So uh, I think episode three brings us some, some wonderful high points. And at the end, and I'll talk a little bit without spoiling anything about how that might dovetail into episode four, which I also think is an incredibly strong episode um, for different reasons in a lot of ways. So let's go ahead and get started here. I guess I already have with Closure Encounters, episode three of the second season of Quantum Leap, written by Romy Lore, whose previous work includes Ben's song for the defense, directed by Chris Grismer, who previously directed uh, the reshoots for What a Disaster, Oh Ye of Little Faith, SOS and Judgment Day. I think uh, OE of Little Faith, SOS and Judgment Day, three fantastic episodes, especially from a directing standpoint of season one. So, of course, we're in good hands. Chris is also an executive producer on the show. Chris recently did an interview with the Quantum Leap podcast. Check that out. He's awesome. Had a lot of great stuff to say, um, you know, interesting uh, tidbits and stuff that they were able to get from that interview. So make sure you're checking that out. We got a guest cast that includes Lewis. 
Louis? I think it's Louis. I'm going to go with Louis, but sometimes I look at it and I'm going to say, Louis, I apologize not only to you, but also to him. Uh, Louis Hertham, who plays Sheriff Woodrow Morgan. Allison Thornton, who plays Carrie Baker, Morgan's granddaughter and the victim slash accused in our interesting little plot here. Uh, and William Derry, who plays General Austin Murray. This, this is the only credited guest cast that, that, that I have right now. Uh, of course, we do have some other um, you know, cast members, uh, guest cast in the show. <coughs> Pardon me, in this episode. Those are the ones that were easily accessible in the intro credits to the episode, uh, as well as currently uh, listed on IMDb. But there are, of course, a few other folks that we'll mention throughout the course of this episode. Uh, we kick things off with the leap out. Ben, and, and we've got this perfect atmospheric night shot. Ben is standing with a farmer. Uh, the farmer immediately starts talking about, you know, what we think to be little green men hiding in the woods. Uh, the farmer is very concerned about this, scared, does not want to go up there. Um, ben realizes that he is an agent for Project Sign. And Project Sign is something that really existed. It was an official U.S. government study of unidentified flying objects undertaken by the United States Air Force and active for most of 1948. Uh, it was the precursor to Project Grudge, uh, which succeeded Project Sign in February of 1949. And then, of course, was followed by the more famous Project Blue Book, um, which operated from 1952 to 1969. Um, so Project Sign technically by this time had become Project Grudge um, by 1949. But that's, you know, a small, small oversight, perhaps. Um, and, you know, it's a very, uh, again, steeped in, 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 in real life history. Uh, and, and I love that that little tip of the hat to the precursor for, again, that more popular project Blue Book, which, of course, Ian will name check here in a moment. Um, and so Ben heads into the woods. Again, we get this really wonderful atmosphere uh, with with the night shoot and, and the mist and a little bit of rain. And it's just really uh, it, it's perfect. It, 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 it recalls, you know, some of those episodes of the X-Files, for instance, where Mulder and Scully are skulking throughout the woods in Vancouver uh, or wherever they were actually supposed to be. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. It sets the tone perfectly. I love that we immediately turn things on their ear because it turns out that it's a group of teenagers setting up gnomes, garden gnomes in the woods to scare the farmer. Uh, you know, Ben comes back, has this lovely line uh, about leave out milk and cookies. Um, and, you know, he, he should be safe. Uh, very funny. Ben gets in the car. Addison pops in. Um, for those that have been asking and questioning about this, we do get a sound cue and, and kind of a visual cue when she pops in, um, which, which startles Ben. Um, and I love that change. It's, it's a wonderful change from the comfort that Ben normally would derive from Addison popping in. And in this case, he's startled. Now, granted, it plays into what he's just been through, having to skulk through the woods with his flashlight and look around for, you know, little green men. But I, again, I, I think it goes beyond that. Um, there's, there's a change, there's a shift in, in the relationship with Addison and in, in, in how he's feeling about it. Um, you know, there's this wonderful bit, too, where Ben is reminded about Halloween. We see that Addison's visibly uncomfortable. Ben apologizes. It's a moment that I feel like anyone who has spent time with an ex, especially shortly after they'd broken up, gets. Uh, you know, one person, and in this case, Addison has the reason because it's been three years for her. One person is out, right? Like one person is 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 ready to move on. One person might not be, and and that kind of 
reminiscence, right? The connection that they used to share. It's uncomfortable. And, and, and it, and it, because it touches on a spot that I think that, you know, we don't always appreciate from the other person's point of view fully, right? You know, uh, Ben, because in those moments we're selfish in order to protect ourselves. And, 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 and I think that, you know, Ben throughout the course of this episode is trying to do whatever he can to protect himself and he's angry and he's grieving and, and it's, and it's really lovely. Ray plays it so well and it's written beautifully too. And some of the dialogue kind of the explanation for why Ben feels the way that he feels. Um, it, it, it's just exceptional writing. It, it genuinely is. And I love those scenes in particular. Um, we, we get the knowledge that Addison and Tom have been together for eight months. Um, you know, Ben is, is shocked by that. It's, it's, it's a lot of time, right? And uh, we get the idea that Ben and Addison had been together for you know about four years uh, at the time you know when he when he left uh, at the beginning of the series, and of course then spent you know the next however many months um, together, but separated, and uh, and, and then of course in the interim. Um, they lost him. She lost him. She had to move on. And it took her time, you know, the, the, those two years where they tried to search for him, the project was shut down, she grieved, she couldn't move on, she went to some dark places. And then Tom reenters her life, because again, they've had this relationship prior um, to, to her even meeting Ben. Um, and, you know, and he helps her out of that. And so they've got this eight months now, where they've been together as a couple. Um, it's really incredible how Ray is able to relay this feeling that for him, it's only been days. Um, the, 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 the shock, the introspection, the little stuff that he does with his eyes and his facial expressions and, and sometimes lack of facial expressions. Like he's so in the moment and he's so engaged. It's just honest and so genuine and vulnerable. And it's, 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 I mean, again, he's doing remarkable work on the show and more people need to take notice. I mean that sincerely. I mean, his work is remarkable. Um, so he's leapt into Robert Cook um, from Project Sign. He's closed the most cases, so he's one of their best agents. Uh, and there's some, you know, some banter about UFOs here. Um, Addison has a great line about how some things never change. Ziggy still doesn't know why Ben is there. Uh, we get back to the project. Ian is excited. Ian is over the moon. They are so thrilled with the fact that uh, UFOs could come into play. It's a statistical uh, fact that there have to be aliens out there. Jen is 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 the is the doubter. Uh, uh, Ian is the believer. Magic comes in, and magic kind of shocks Jen by being a believer as well, uh, which shouldn't come as too big of a shock, I think, to us watching the show. Because because we, we've gotten hints before that, you know, magic as a result of what he experienced in Vietnam, Sam leaping into him, he's a little more open to certain things. And he, he, literally, he, he literally articulates that, you know, being leapt into alters one's ability to believe in alternative possibilities. Um, we get the most awkward road trip ever between Ben and Addison. Uh, it's great. Uh, I only have eyes for you is playing on the radio. I believe this is the Doris Day version, um, which... I'm not sure. I know it was recorded in the 40s. I don't know exactly when it was released. I know that there was a release in 1950, um, but it looks like there was possibly an earlier release as well. Um, 
So it's entirely possible that the radio was playing in 1949, even though it might not have been commercially available until 1950. Anyway, it's 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 a you know it's a perfect atmospheric song. Um, it is uh, according to ASCAP the 20th century's most recorded song. Um, so there you go. Uh, and I, I think that it, it illuminates the struggle um, that Ben is is going through at this particular point in time um, because. For him, he does. He only has eyes for Addison, and Addison's moved on. Um, here's some trivia about the song. Uh, it was composed by Harry Warren. Uh, lyrics are from Al Dubin, and it was written for the film Dames in 1934 when Dick Powell, the actor and singer, um, introduced it for the film. There are, of course, uh, again, as ASCAP stated, many, 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 many recordings. The most famous one, however, is probably the doo-wop version by the Flamingos. That's the one that's probably going in your head, uh, if, if it is at all right now. Um, so, the, the, yeah, the car scene is, is, is really great. It's awkward. Um, you know, we get the revelation, which we kind of has already been hinted at in, in the first episode that Ben remembers everything pretty much and how much more difficult that probably has to make things for him. And again, it's just it's a really great bit of character uh, growth, I think. I know that there are some folks in the fandom. It seems to be a bit of a divided issue over whether or not Ben should remember things or he should continue to have a Swiss cheese memory. I think that the truth of the matter is the device worked well in season one. It worked, you know, it it. it it worked to the benefit of the show. It was a part of the overall mystery. I think there's something much stronger and it's a much more effective choice to have him remember everything now. Um, I, I think that, you know, the Swiss cheese memory, of course, is is a tried and true bit from the original series and, 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 and it worked well and it was convenient a lot of times. Um, but even in the original series, you have to remember that there are things that Sam started to remember along the way. And as he recalled those things, they did come back into play. Look at season two specifically. If you look at season two of the classic series, Sam remembers bits and pieces along the way that he will then recall later in the series. The most obvious, of course, being Tom, you know, you, you go from Disco Inferno to Animal Frat to, of course, the Leap Home, that that through line, that arc, it exists. So the precedent is really already there for Sam to have been regaining his memories as he goes on. Um, and then, of course, you have the conceit able to happen all over again because the leap back when he leaps again to save Al, then his memory can be Swiss cheesed again and, and you can go with that. But I, I again, I think there's precedent for Ben remembering everything, A, and B, I just think it's a stronger and more effective choice for where we are in the series right now in the revival um we get to the hospital and ben interviews carrie uh carrie baker who is the victim slash accused uh here in this particular incident um allison thornton is is, is rather good here I, I enjoy her performance quite a bit it's very strong um you know it's interesting some of the stuff that romy has to say about you know deciding the focus for like who the, the the real featured guest star was throughout the course of the writing of the episode so make sure you check that out because i thought it was some interesting details about the choices that get made um you know just for characters before actors even come into the picture uh but i think that that allison's very good here um i think ray again is very good the, the way that he's just listening taking it all in taking this very seriously you know i think for for ben there's almost an element of he's ready to believe but he's not yet there if, if if that makes sense um and he wants to get to the bottom of this he wants to help and and that's our hero right um 
we get this wonderful kind of flashback. The whole car accident scene, I think, is shot incredibly well, edited perfectly. Shout out to Piper Cruz, who I know is the editor on this episode, um, been on the show before. Uh, and I, I just think that that it's very atmospheric. It's it's directed in that way so that you can you can seemingly do a lot with very little. You know, they didn't need to do anything other than, you know, and I'm guessing here, I don't know if this is specifically what they did, than to have some floodlights, a car on a dark road, and, and, and that's it. You know, they didn't need a bunch of other stuff. Um, um, which which played out really really well. It, you know, we get the story uh, of the two of them, you know, running from the car of of, of Melanie being found, you know, uh, next to the car or still in the car. Um, later on, there's some discrepancy over you know what carrier members and 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 what the kind of official story currently in the investigation is. Um, and you know, at this point. Again, Ben is just wanting to get to the truth and he wants to help. And that's when we meet Sheriff Woodrow Morgan, played by Lewis Hertham. And I I love this bit of guest casting. Uh, I love this performance. I love this character. Um, you know, Sheriff Morgan is one of those characters that we meet along the way that you'd be fine with seeing again. And that to me is one of the highest compliments I can pay to you know any any guest actor or guest character because it's not just the actor it's genuinely the character which i think is that fusion of the writing and the acting um and and yeah i mean if we saw sheriff morgan somewhere again along the way it's like cool um so uh we learn that carrie's mother uh which is the sheriff's daughter died not long ago and that you know it, it changed carrie and grief obviously will do that he, he paints this wonderful picture of grief not only carrie's but his own and that's something that ben picks up on um and it clearly impacts him as well you know that loss and 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 uh he'll later on even share with the, the sheriff like i lost my fiance not long ago and um it's a great moment. And it's one of those moments, you know, this episode has a number of times where, um, you know, Ben will certainly be speaking to uh, someone in the leap, but obviously he's, you know, the words are just as much for Addison uh, and himself as they are for the people that, that he's in the leap. And I always love that sort of stuff. And it's not played for humor in this case, there's emotional depth to it. And it's all about the character growth. So again, just another superb bit uh, in, in, in the setup of this episode. We also meet Russell Hunt, the biggest landowner in New Mexico, and uh, he is the father of Melanie Hunt, who, of course, is the girl in a coma, and he wants Carrie locked up. He wants the book thrown at her. Uh, we don't see him too much, and that's okay. We get a bit of a mustache-twirling vibe from him, but that's also okay because I think with where he is in that particular moment and the way that it's set up, it, you know, it makes sense. You know, he's, he, he's our bad guy. He's one of our obstacles. And I think that, um, with the short, short, short amount of screen time he gets, I don't need a lot of depth here, right? Just come in, give me that big, you know, brassy kind of performance. We're good. Um, you know, Ben at this point thinks that he's got to prove aliens are real in order to, you know, exonerate Carrie from any wrongdoing in this. Um, the sheriff has also mentioned a whiskey bottle. He's mentioned lots of bad decisions, you know, implies that there's been a lot of, you know, kind of wild antics, which is something that, you know, a teenage girl in 1949 is just not allowed to do. Uh, and, and, you know, it's interesting because Addison also parallels that with the fact that the sheriff isn't allowed to really openly grieve and be vulnerable either. Um, and, you know, it's a good point, something to pick up on. And it's contrasted perfectly by the way that Ben, I think, a little bit more openly grieves his relationship, um, you know, with Addison uh, throughout the course of the episode. Uh, we get to the diner. Oh, you all. 
I love this scene so much. But before I talk too much about it, I also love the napkin holder mirror shot. Really well done. Lovely stuff. Um, so we're in the diner and we meet the waitress. And the waitress, played by Eliza Taylor, is Hannah. <sighs> She's perfect. Just sublime. Uh, I think I think Taylor's performance is wonderful. I think the writing of the character is beautiful. Um Comparison being the death of, you know, joy and all that sort of stuff. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb here. It's impossible not to. We get introduced to two new characters throughout the course of this season, Tom and Hannah. And I think that Tom is feeling a little bit square peg round hole in a lot of different ways. You know, uh, it's not just, it's not just the storyline, which I know some people do not like. Um, and I think it's okay that you don't like it, by the way. I think in some ways, maybe you're not supposed to like it. I think some people are maybe a little bit more accepting of it. Um, but I don't think that, that that fans who are not on board with the storyline or don't like the fact that Tom and Addison are together or whatever, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Um, so anyway, uh, square peg round hole of it for a variety of reasons. Hannah, perfect fit. There's something about what she brings to the show, what she brings to Ben, even in the few moments they share together over the course of this episode. It's just lovely. She is clearly a person of deep empathy and high intellect, which I think, again, is a perfect fit for Ben because that's who Ben is too in a lot of ways. Um, there's this energy, there's this kind of, not innocence. It, she's, I, I don't wanna, I don't wanna say she's like this downy innocent because that, that I think, almost belittles, takes away a little bit from her. Um, it's not innocence, but, uh, but yeah, there's this, there's this beautiful energy and it's, it reminds me in a way of the energy that Ben had in Atlantis when he's on the space shuttle, when he goes for the EVA, um, with, um, or the spacewalk rather, uh, and, you know, and Addison's sitting on the side of the shuttle and he's all excited and, you know, it, it it's really, it, it reminds me of that quality. Um, yeah, I, I I just love it. She's incredibly charming. She's so charming. Um, she starts bringing up all sorts of interesting things, um, you know, scientific principles, physics principles, and uh, uh, and she mentions yo-yos, and 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 she's talking about how if people from you know five hundred years ago or whatever came in and 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 saw everything, yeah, you know, they think it was like witchcraft. Uh, and she and she name checks yo-yos in particular, um, and it's it's a lovely moment. It's worth noting that yo-yos apparently there's evidence that they have been around since like five hundred BCE. However, in terms of what we kind of see as a modern yo-yo, I mean, like the first yo-yo production company was. 1928. So, um, so it just fits perfectly kind of with, you know, again, what she's trying to say, what she's trying to explain. And there's another element of this scene that just connects with me in, in, in a very big way. And that is the score. Hannah's theme, which is what I'm calling it until I'm told otherwise is gorgeous. It's lovely. It, 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 even thinking about it, it makes me feel things. It's reminiscent of some of the cues that we got in the classic series, like the Leap Home Suite, which, you know, Google it um, if, if you've not heard it or you're not familiar with it. Um, it's just beautiful. And, 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 it, and it gave me an even greater appreciation for this scene. Again, the dialogue sparkles. Uh, ben is clearly impressed uh, um, with her and, uh, and kind of intrigued. Like, what does a waitress know all this stuff for? Um, 
which is which is which is which is really nice uh and it comes back into play later um as ben leaves the diner um with the sheriff the sheriff is coming to get him and hannah gives him the coffee on the house um they're gonna go out and check the accident scene and they're followed by hunt's men the sheriff plays a game of chicken uh you know this is also when ben is trying to kind of get um uh, uh, develop a little bit of a rapport with the, with the sheriff and the sheriff's not really having it. Um, Ben is also able to figure out that it was the sheriff that called project sign in, which is an interesting tidbit as well. You know, um, he's, he wants to help his granddaughter. Like he's, he's not the obstacle here, right? He's, he's the assist. Um, the game of chicken with the with huntsmen in the cars it's it's a great little bit some good tension a little bit of humor as well um and you know again the sheriff has that kind of old school you know masculine almost toxic masculine uh, mentality of the only way to deal with a bully is head on um and 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 succeeds in this moment but it's obviously reckless and it's kind of dangerous and you know what it's interesting because Ben feeds on that. Ben, I think at this particular point with his anger and his frustration and the grief that he's going through, he connects with that, that, that rash and reckless energy and, and indulges it perhaps even going beyond what the sheriff is comfortable with at times. Um, he, you know, as they explore the, the, the crash site, there's some, you know, some great moments. The, the biggest one being is Addison is starting to get the feeling that Ben is just kind of brushing past her, ignoring her a little bit. Um, you know, he's playing this his way and he doesn't necessarily need her help. Doesn't want her up. He's angry at her. He's short. He's short with her. Um, you know, the, the discussion about grief between the sheriff and Ben, like the parallels between, you know, Ben's own grief and, 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 and the sheriff's grief of, of losing uh, a loved one and not wanting to lose his daughter and Ben indulging in that idea that if he can get the sheriff and the daughter and the granddaughter, you know, back together, that maybe he and Addison can get back together. There's just a lot of really wonderful parallels in the story and it plays really well. And I think the nice thing is too, is that, it doesn't just feel like a vehicle for the character growth. The, the, the relationship between the sheriff and the granddaughter is equally important. The stakes are very high and, and our leap story is very engaging. So it works really well. It's not some sort of cheap trick. It just, it, it works. It syncs up really nicely. Um, when we get back to the hospital again, you know, Ben is kind of very short with Addison um, and uh, he, you know, he's being a little bit more reckless um, and, I, I think at this particular moment, Addison is starting to realize like, oh, okay, you know, like, fine. I mean, he flat out says you're wrong. And, 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 and in a very angry, short way, um, immediately following this conversation, Ben, uh, overhears Carrie reading to Melanie in the hospital. Melanie is still in a coma. Uh, Carrie's reading Alice in Wonderland from chapter two, um, pool of tears. I shall be punished for it now, I suppose, by being drowned in my own tears. That will be a queer thing to be sure. Um, it's interesting here and I don't want to make too much of it, but it, again, it's a choice. And anytime a choice is made in a piece of art, you do have to, you know, you do start to wonder why that scene in particular, Alice has just been big. Right. And, and she started to cry because she can't figure out what to do, you know, can't figure out where to go. And then she, you know, she gets shrunk down again and, and she's, you know, literally swimming around in a pool of tears before she gets through the door. And, um, I don't know. It's just an interesting, it's just kind of an interesting parallel, I think, to the way that our, our feelings uh, sometimes uh, come out in our emotional state, in particular with grief, you know, grief hits us uh, in general, you know, will we'll, we'll come at us at times when 
it comes out of nowhere, right? We're, we're feeling normal. We're feeling big perhaps. And, 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 and then it's like you, you, you do, you metaphorically or literally cry so much and you just start to feel shrunk down so small in your feelings. And, 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 and this is all extrinsic stuff, extrinsic stuff that I'm bringing to it, uh, to it. It's nothing necessarily intrinsic to the plot, but, 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 but for me, there was just this beautiful parallel, um, between that pain and between that grief and between what it, what it feels like when you start to drown in your own grief and how do you get out of that? And Carrie clearly is grieving the loss of her mother. The sheriff is grieving the loss of his daughter. Ben is grieving the loss of the relationship with Addison. Um, and, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really beautiful stuff. Now, of course, I want to bring another little thing into it. It's interesting here too. And I don't want to, you know, call too much attention to it because it's, it's, you know, it's not necessarily important to the plot and it's not necessarily something that is ever made fact. But I do think that you could, if you want, infer here that potentially we also get the idea of a closer relationship between Carrie and Melanie. Could they be lovers? Um, you know, obviously the word queer is used in a completely different context, obviously. Um, but, it, you know, in a show which is obviously never shied away from having queer characters, um, both in the leaps and, of course, in the project, um, you, you know, you do you do kind of wonder, is like, is it possible here that Carrie and Melanie are in a relationship and that that is also something that is, you know, kind of the... Uh, at the root of all of this angst and anger from from Russell Hunt, that there's something untoward and improper about their relationship, uh, or it could just be that they're incredibly good friends and they're out for a joy ride, and you know they think that there's been drinking involved and Carrie's corrupting Melanie, yada yada yada. Um, so it's neither here nor there, but it is an interesting thought to perhaps meditate on a little bit if you like. Um, you know, Ben at this point, I think he, he's. He's so angry. He's spoiling for a fight. So when he sees Hunt's men, you know, he ignores Addison, goes straight for them and starts to get the crap kicked out of him. It's interesting here, again, something to take note of in the interview with Romy is that this scene played a little bit differently um, in, you know, one of the permutations of the script. So uh, I think that that's fascinating. Check that interview out for more. Um, it's also worth noting that uh, our hero gets taken down a peg like physically here and the sheriff has to come and rescue him you know with the shotgun uh, uh blast to the sky um this is when we start to learn more about hunt um back at the project after you know ben's kind of been pulled out of the frying pan by the sheriff um hunt is the biggest landowner in new mexico um he you know struck it rich with oil, but the wells have dried up. Jen seems to think that he's probably running drugs um, at that particular point in time, you know, especially in, in, in like 47, 48, 49, apparently Mexico, uh, you know, weed and heroin coming across the border even, even then. Um, and so, you know, New Mexico would be a perfect spot to, for, for Hunt to, to funnel some of that in and, and, and you know, reaffirm his riches over it. Um, we get the name check of the Bell 47 helicopter. Um, Bell 47 is a single Single rotor, single engine light helicopter manufactured by Bell Helicopter. It was the first helicopter certified for civilian use on the 8th of March, 1946. And the first civilian delivery was made on New Year's Eve, 1946. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, obviously all of this tracks 100% along with um you know, the actual uh, history of, of the vehicle. Um, and clearly Hunt is um, someone that could afford it. And, and obviously it's possible that this could be what the girls saw uh, that night when they were out on the road. Um, as Jed, of course, takes a little bit of glee and delight in the fact that it looks like things are a little more 
grounded than what Ian initially thought. Ian has a great line. They say, I hope you can respect my privacy at this time. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, I, I just love those moments of levity. I mean, we, we, we've already, I think, gotten used to the fact that Ian is going to bring a lot of that to the table. And Mason, of course, is fantastic in those moments. So uh, it's a nice, it's a nice moment. And it's great because throughout the course of this leap, we get signs of this dichotomy between sort of a return to normalcy at the project and yet not. Um, there's plenty of moments when we're reminded of the changes. Uh, you know, Jen and Ian talk about the magic is asking questions to Jen and Ian about what's going on in, in the leap time, you know, at times. Addison is clearly having things to say about the nature of Ben's activity and his behavior uh, over the course of leap. So I think that some people I've seen comments made, and, and I think that this is mostly people that had only seen, you know, the second episode about how things were, you know, getting back to normal too quickly or whatever. And, and that's just not the case here. That's not happening. We're not seeing that. Um, we're seeing that, that, that these are professionals. They're trying to do what's best for the leap and best for Ben, but there's still issues and there's stuff that's going to have to be resolved. And I, I really enjoy that. Um, you know, magic is almost wanting to pull Addison out of the leap, send somebody else in, but you know, she thinks she can still get through to Ben. Um, so she's gonna, you know, she's gonna stick it out. Um, which is a nice, uh, I think callback in some ways to her comments in episode two, when she thinks that Ian should stay there because they've been with Ben this whole time. And, you know, they're the one that has to get been through the leap you don't want to change um you know course in, in the middle of the leap and and so in in a you know a nice reflection of that she's saying no i've got to stick this out it's clear she's uncomfortable it's clear she's struggling um but you know she she feels like it's best to, to stick it out and uh, i think that's a really interesting bit um and something that um it'll be an important takeaway from this episode i believe uh, we get this lovely scene between the sheriff and Ben and Addison is in the car as well, this nighttime drive. Um, and these two people just sharing these, these feelings of loss and guilt and anger. And Ben has these wonderful lines. Again, the dialogue is pitch perfect in this scene between the two of them. And they both just, you know, the, the performances are fantastic as well. Um, you know, the acid uh, eating away and, and, the, you know, wanting to just, do something with all this anger and uh you know and 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 even the sheriff is like you know we're, we're we're looking for somebody to punch basically you know that reading between the lines um then this this interesting thing happens we start to get some interference some radio interference some signal interference and it also interferes with addison which i think is a cool little bit of course uh harkens back to again stuff that we saw in the classic series there were times when things would interfere with al's signal um you know even looking at an episode like good morning peoria when they're up on top of the uh um the radio uh station and uh you know sam is trying to fix the the transmitter and and, and al starts to glow and says sam i'm leaping and you know sam's like you're standing too close to the transmitter step away it's a really great scene if you've not seen that episode um i encourage you that's it's one of the high points of the classic series good morning peoria it, it's an exceptional episode um and uh uh so yeah so again the, the, it interferes with with addison's signal and she basically gets bounced out of the leap and you know and, and ben and uh, the sheriff have to kind of figure out what to do on their own. We get uh, Janice name dropped here, which is really, really nice. I know uh, there are a lot of people disappointed that uh, Georgina Riley, that Janice is not in this season as of yet. Um, and it is too bad. You know, Janice was a fantastic character. Um, and I, I think, you know, being a legacy character, very important to a lot of fans. Um, I think that there's some mis 
interpretation, perhaps a misunderstanding of some of the comments that have been made too about the you know not having room for Janice and then bringing in two new characters. I think you have to realize that with the narrative that that has been created, um, yeah, there's there's not space for Janice because the, the the chosen focus here is you know on how you know, Ben and Addison specifically move on and how that affects the project and how that affects the leaps. And so it makes a lot of sense, you know, Addison has moved on. So we need a significant other, that significant other. Also, it's really convenient and, and, and I think helps to drive our stories in a different way if they're also a part of the project in some fashion. And it makes sense because Addison's a military person. Like she's going to know a lot of other people in the military. Those are the people that she's going to have for, for friends. And, you know, and, and, and it's the same thing with that, the project, right? Like these people are friends, they hang out together, they watch real housewives. They, you know, they do all of that together. So obviously she has this, this, this kinship and this camaraderie with, you know, other fellow soldiers. And so, um, military, of course, having a bit of oversight on the project as well. Like it, it, it does make sense. And then in the case of Hannah, you know, don't want to say too much. And there's not, I, I don't necessarily know much more than what this episode gives us, but the truth of the matter is, is that like that character just seems incredibly important already. And uh, while I hope we get more Janice, and I think that we probably will, um, it just might not be for, uh, you know, it might not be this season. It might not be. It could still be. That's the other thing. Like, it's entirely possible that while she's not in these first eight, they could be playing a little coy. Maybe we'll see her in the back five. Maybe we won't. And that's all right, too. Um, because, again, the narrative that's being constructed here in the story that we're being told just doesn't involve her. And that's OK. Um, you know, I think we'll still love her when, when we do get the chance to see her again, which I hope we do. Um, anyway, working for the NSA in Hawaii, of course, the National Security Agency is a national level intelligence. Intelligence, intelligence agency under the director of national intelligence. Um, it's responsible for global monitoring, collection and processing of information and data for foreign and domestic intelligence and counterintelligence purposes. Um, yeah, it's, you know, the NSA is a very interesting organization and probably perhaps one of the most scary uh, of, of the, you know, the big kind of intelligence organizations like FBI, CIA, all that sort of stuff, because um, so much of what they do is just completely completely unknown to the public. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, free and accessible information about the projects that they conduct, you know, certainly not in any sort of timely manner. Uh, and it's, it's perfect for Janice, you know, as someone who is as hyper intelligent as she is and, and as good as figuring things out as she is and collecting information in the way that she helped Ben, like it's a great fit. So she's working for the NSA in Hawaii. This is interesting too, because the NSA facility in Hawaii, um, is a, is a newer, uh, uh, facility actually it's the Hawaii cryptologic center or NSA Hawaii. Um, and it, they, uh, conduct cybersecurity and cyber warfare operations. They focus on signals intelligence intercepts from Asia. Um, so obviously China, um, you know, being, being probably the biggest uh, threat, if you will. Um, it also happens to be where Edward Snowden worked. And in May of 2013, uh, of course, he took many classified documents provided in the press, revealing the existence of a number of top secret NSA mass surveillance programs. Really cool little tidbit, wonderful little thing thrown in. I think it's one of those things that to me, you know, hearing that sort of stuff, it's kind of like, oh, you know, maybe I've got a little bit of a connection in my head with where this is. Now I want more. And when you find this stuff out, you're just sort of like, oh, yeah, this is perfect for Janice. This is great. And again, it could be a seed. It could be a seed that when they get the chance to follow up on it in the future, could be some really, really cool stuff there. So bear that in mind before we pass too much judgment on the lack of Janice. I hate it too. I wish she was there. I thought she was awesome. I thought that making her a regular would have been a great idea. But hey, 
this is what we get. So let's appreciate, you know, for what we have, as opposed to sitting here, you know, creating all the stories in our head about the things that we didn't get. It's like the, the kid on Christmas who, you know, is surrounded by all these wonderful, amazing things. And they're upset because they didn't get that one extra thing. Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, you know, Ben at this point has been knocked out. He comes back to in a hotel room. Uh, Addison um, is there. It is a another lovely scene. The dialogue is so great, and the acting is so wonderful. And and and, and the pain and the hurt and the confusion and anger. Ben, you know, expressing the frustration about he doesn't know if the the old Ben is ever coming back. You know that he's just got to figure this out, but he's got to focus on the leap. And that's something that he said in the very beginning of the episode. Let's just focus on the leap. And um, it's again, it's a nice parallel too, because how many times is that something that Addison had to say in the first season because she couldn't tell Ben too much because he didn't remember. Let's just focus on the leap. Let's just focus on the leap. So it's really nice. Um, we find out that Ben was drugged and uh, the, the the logical conclusion is that so was Melanie. Um, there's there's this wonderful moment where Carrie gets discharged. She gives a big hug to Ben um, and you know, the sheriff is there to, to support her, to help her. Um, and she's like, I thought you didn't believe in aliens. And he's like, I don't, but I believe in my granddaughter. It's a really nice moment. It's maybe it's a little saccharine or whatever, but I don't care. I loved it. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's really, really nice. Uh, they're trying to figure out what Ben was drugged with and, uh, Ian is working on it and everybody's <laughs> hovering over them. And Ian's like, you know, this is going to make my results come so much faster. And like, really? He's like, they're like, no. And, uh, uh, and then of course it happens right away and they have to kind of eat a little bit of crow as Jen says that, you know, mouth off to magic, uh, and the universe will get you. Uh, the drug, uh, in question is gamma blue five, uh, which the military used and experimented on back in the day. I could not find any real world information about gamma blue five, but when I did research it, what kept coming up oddly enough was GHB. Um, GHB, uh, I think, uh, unfortunately a lot of people will know for all the wrong reasons, gamma hydroxybutyric acid. Um, it is a naturally occurring neurotransmitter and a depressant drug. Um, it is used for performance enhancement, uh, and can be used, uh, to treat narcolepsy and alcoholism. Unfortunately, it has also become known in the modern parlance as the date rape drug. Um, it is, it is obviously a drug that if you got too much of it, yes, it could indeed kill you or put you into a coma, um, cause it would depress your, your nervous system. So, um, it fits whether or not that's the parallel that's supposed to be made. Who knows if it's something they completely made up. I don't know for certain. Um, I did not ask that question, unfortunately, but, uh, uh, if you know more, if it turns out it's real, if it turns out, you know, for a fact, it's completely fictional, feel free to, uh, leave a comment or reach out over on social media. We'll get that information out. We find out that hunt has been leasing land to the military. Um, general Austin Murray is the, in charge of that land. He was assigned to Los Alamos. Uh, of course, Los Alamos, I think, uh, right now, uh, certainly in the modern consciousness, it's easy to uh, draw those parallels uh, due to a little film called Oppenheimer. Los Alamos, of course, was the site of uh, um, uh, the Manhattan Project, um, which was result, which of course was responsible for the creation of and the testing of the atomic bomb. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's an interesting place to learn about, and uh, I, I would I would encourage people to go take a look uh, if you already haven't, of course, because of uh, the the film. Um, the, the, yeah, the, the, what went into creating the project and, and, and the research of the project. And of course, how that spilled out to kind of inform, um, you know, the secrecy of other projects a after the war and that sort of stuff. I think it's a perfect way to, uh, dovetail into this episode. Um, so 
the sheriff has been suspended and he's going to go on the run with Carrie. Ben, uh, there's a, some wonderful interplay between the sheriff. It's like at the, you know, at the risk of uh, uh, you know, ruining our budding friendship, uh, you're going to have to let us leave. Ben, however, decides that um, if they run, you know, they're just they're they're just giving. They're, they're, they're giving more fuel to the fire here. And, and, and we find out, of course, if they do run, the sheriff is going to go to jail too. Um, so Ben's like, just give me six hours. And Addison keeps, you know, keeps warning him. Uh, they stash uh, Carrie with Hannah. Hannah uh, is, is helping out now. She's a co-conspirator. It's awesome. Uh, I just love her. I love her so much. And, uh, and then um, Ben wants to use adrenaline. Um, adrenaline, of course, is a, a naturally occurring uh, hormone and also a medication. Um, it plays an essential role in fight or flight response, uh, increases blood flow to muscles, heart output, um, pupil dilation response, etc. And uh, it is used, um, you know, as a drug at, at times to, um, you know, to to uh, uh, inject in people, and it can, uh, you know, be used to kind of help bring people out uh, of uh, low heart rate, et cetera, that sort of stuff. And in this case, with the Gamma Blue 5, uh, it could protect Ben from, you know, getting knocked out again. Um, Addison is totally against it. Everybody seems to be against it except for Ben. Ben, again, is behaving reckless. He injects the adrenaline into himself. And then we get like one of the, uh, you know, just in this emotionally scorching scene. I love it so much. And Addison, you know, is kind of like going after Ben about, you know, I don't want to lose you again. I don't want, you know, all this sort of stuff. And Ben just finally lets her have it. And Ben says, no one made you bury me. It is an amazing, amazing moment. You know, he says, don't give up on me again. Ray is so fucking superb here. I love it. it it's just, I mean... It's not often that these emotionally wrenching scenes are such a joy to watch, but when they're done so well, you cannot help but like appreciate them as well as be engaged by them, as well as being moved by them. It's, 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 it almost, you know, it almost defies description, but it, it's an incredible moment and I, and I absolutely love it. Um, we see the green eyes again. Ben is abducted. We see flashes of advanced technology. The military dumps Ben. The sheriff rescues him. Addison saw everything. So Ben's planned worked um ben and, and and the sheriff meet with general murray um and you know courtesy of what he's learned from addison ben is able to talk about the prototype night vision um which again lines up historically with when night vision devices um were you know were being used and tested and that sort of stuff the 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 triple barreled night vision is interesting because um i believe that that is oddly enough probably considered generation three technology so it's clearly advanced technology for the time but it is obviously it tracks with again you know potential like research off the books research projects etc um the zero point jet which is fascinating because i'm not a hundred percent sure if this is supposed to actually be zero point energy uh which is fascinating to me because zero point energy of course has a lot to do with like quantum physics and quantum mechanics um so that that tracks right um and of course it looks like a ufo um Addison has this wonderful line about how she saw a lot more that Congress probably doesn't know about. Um, the, you know, the clearly at this point, like General Murray knows that, all right, fine, you know, what do you want? And, 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 you know, Ben basically lays it all out there, right? We're going to clear Carrie. We're going to clear the sheriff. We're going to get him reinstated. We're going to get, you know, they're, they're going to get a new car uh, and we're going to ask for the car and everything. It, it, it's, it's a great scene um, to help wrap things up in, in, in a manner, which I think, 
again, leaning into the sort of conspiratorial nature of the storytelling. Um, yeah, it works. It works well. And and yeah, it definitely, you know, it's it's it, it, it in some ways it can feel like that abrupt television conclusion. And yet it tracks. And I think it's 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 just incredibly well done with everything that we've seen before. And everything's kind of been leading up to this point. So it works very, very well as that successful resolution of that storyline. And I, I really love it. Um, and, uh, you know, Ben uh, also encourages the military to move their secret base to Grooms Lake, Nevada, uh, Area 51, um, which who doesn't know about Area 51? And it brings us nice and full circle. This episode has had a lot of kind of subtle nods to, to, to like the X-Files, whether intentional or not. It's hard to see an episode like this and not think about the X-Files, to not think about another show called uh, Dark Skies from, from the 90s. Um, even more so Dark Skies in a way, because Dark Skies was a period piece. So, uh, you know, this being a period piece is great. Of course, there were episodes of the X-Files that were, um, you know, flashback episodes episodes that took place uh, during, you know, these times in the 60s and, and so on. But anyway, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just a really, really nice uh, uh, nod. And, and, and Ben inadvertently sets up Area 51, uh, <laughs> which is which is fun. Um, Groom Lake is a, a salt flat um, and uh, there's lots of uh, runways there. Um, yeah, it's an interesting, it, 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 interesting history, to say the very least. What goes on there? Who knows? Um, apparently, the CIA established the facility in 1955 for Project Aquatone, which is the development of the U-2. Um, U-2, of course, has a lot of interesting history and a little bit of connection to the classic series of Quantum Leap. So check that out, uh, engaged viewers. Um, yeah, lots of, of, of uh, aircraft, experimental aircraft um, um testing has been done there uh, as well um you can google it there's plenty of stuff uh anyway um the you know that 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 now resolved ben um you know kind of tells morgan to talk to carrie to you know to tell her how you feel and and, and keep that communication open and, and of course it parallels and addison picks up on it you know ben is saying that just as much you know for himself and and for the state of things with addison as he is with morgan and carrie um it's the hardest thing in the world, but it's the only way forward. Um, and it's, it's kind of, it, it's the perfect sort of resting place for where Ben and Addison are in this episode. Um, we go back to the project and there's some lovely stuff between Addison and magic. Magic uses the phrase one day at a time. Um, hmm. That's all I'll say. Um, he has this wonderful line too about how we still uh, carry all three years of, of, of the pain and longing and frustration. So it's, it's lovely because magic gets to have that opportunity to allay a little bit of Addison's guilt by, by kind of saying like, this is all new for Ben, you know? Yeah. And, and it's natural. He's going to feel this way. And I feel really bad for that, but don't forget about how you're feeling too, because for you, this is three. We carry all of this stuff with us still, and it's fresh and new for Ben, but it doesn't mean that it's not there for you too. Um, and it, it, it's wonderful, you know, and Addison again is like, I think somebody else should go in and magic's just sort of like, you know, I, I he wants to give her time. Uh, too, you know, it's like, yeah, Ben needs time, but so do you. And it, it, it I, I just love the balance that Magic strikes. He's clearly, you know, empathetic towards Ben's position a lot, but but he's but he's there for Addison, and and it's lovely, and it echoes a lot of stuff we saw in season one as well. Um, you know, Magic asks when Tom is coming back, and apparently it's it's that afternoon or that evening or whatever, and and, and Magic's like, good, you know, we all we all need someone, we all need some help. And, uh, you know, kind of sends her off to go get her help. And then he makes a phone call. We don't know 
to whom at this particular point. But uh, I do think that uh, it's good that, 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 that magic has someone to talk to. Um, you know, could it be a family member? We know that he had a daughter that he might've been estranged from in season one, which of course would mean that he had a spouse at some point in time. So uh, yeah, who, who could it be? Someone new, someone we've, you know, we've, we've heard about before or whatever. I don't know. Um, and then uh, at the wrap up of the leap, Ben goes to see Hannah. Uh, I love this scene. I love this scene so much. I love what it represents for this new character that we're meeting for the first time. I love what it says about Ben and uh, it's beautiful and it plays in again to the history, the history of physics and, um, you know, kind of just that, that sort of experimental thinking um, that, that was so prevalent at that particular point in, in, in our history. And, you know, the, the Einsteins and the Oppenheimers and the von Neumanns of the world, like, you know, were, 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 were at play and thinking up these new things, these horrible, things and these amazing things and um and 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 i just love that the show leans into that here um and i love what it could mean for for the character of hannah um they have this lovely little conversation and ben almost baits her a little bit uh by by quoting the general theory of relativity what we perceive as the force of gravity arises from the curvature of space and then hannah finishes it and time ah it's just a lovely little moment. And then Ben's like, what kind of waitress knows the general theory of relativity? And she kind of, you know, she, she tells us a bit about her backstory and about how during, you know, she studied this and she studied that and during the war, she worked, you know, on this. And of course, after the war, there were no jobs for, for women. And, 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 and it's clear that she's very disenfranchised and, um, and it's, you know, it's, 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 I love the fact that we've gotten a couple of times through the course of this season, but also the, the previous season, um, we, you know, we talk a lot about it, of course, but to see these, you know, these examples in our, in our history and, you know, in this country's history specifically of, of the disenfranchisement, disenfranchisement, excuse me, of, of women or people of color or queer communities, um, to have it just so explicitly stated and, and to have it done in, 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 you know, just this lovely way, um, you know, it's just this reminder that not everybody had the same opportunities and, and Ben is so encouraging. Um, and we get that music again. Uh, he talks about, uh, professor Yates at Princeton and there's going to be this new physics program for women. Uh, interesting to note that, uh, Einstein was at Princeton until 1955. He'd retired as a professor in 1945. So he was no longer teaching, but he was still there at the Institute for advanced study, um, which again, you know, Oppenheimer, von Neumann, you know, others, uh, uh, we're also working at um, the physics department was actually under the School of Engineering and Applied Science at the time. However, uh, Princeton did not admit women until 1969. So uh, we can only assume that either we're in a different timeline or um, that uh, it, it's, a, it's a program separate from actually Princeton University itself. Um, ben encourages her to live the life she wants. And it's clear that she's made an impact on Ben and Ben is now, you know, kind of giving back and he's just a wonderful human. Of course, of course he would. Um, and 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 it's a it's it's great because I just feel this the character I already feel so invested in of Hannah and I want more I want more so bad uh, and and we get this lovely moment where Ben is saying goodbye and you know she she doesn't want a goodbye she doesn't believe in in, in that she wants to see you later and for Ben of course you know he's doubtful right like uh, he's gonna leap and and. Man, again, just Ray, like as he's walking away, there's this look on his face of just sort of like, I said what you needed to hear, but I'm not going to see you again. And that makes me sad. And maybe, maybe 
somehow, some way I will, but I doubt it. And he conveyed to me anyway, he conveyed all of that as he's walking away and then leaps out. Um, you know, of course, Hannah is optimistic that they will see one another again. We'll see. Um, the leap out occurs and we are met with the face of Tim Matheson and Matheson is talking about, you know, taking people down, doing this job, getting this, you know, all, all this. And you're just sort of like, Oh, what the hell did Ben leap into is, you know, is he now a killer for hire, some sort of criminal and a bank robber, you know, the, the table's been turned from, from episode two. Um, of course, by the time you're hearing this, uh, you, you're probably going to know the whole deal from from the previews. Uh, so I won't play coy too much. But but that said, uh, it's great to see Matheson here. The energy. It's a very different leap out from a lot of the leaps out that we've seen um, over the course of the, the revival series so far. And it, it, it's very like in your face. Um, and, and I like it. And uh, episode four, I, I really enjoy. Uh, you have a lot to look forward to in episode four. And I feel like episode four feels in a lot of ways not the leap plot in any way and not any sort of you know character reappearances necessarily but like there's there's so much of the emotional content the character stuff it feels like this lovely sequel in a lot of ways to episode three they they go together very 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 well um and in particular the ben and addison story there's some just incredible moments oh get ready folks because there's some incredible moments in episode four um Again, episode three for me is incredibly successful. It's fun. Uh, it's got a nice driving plot. Uh, there's some red herrings here and there. There's there's the investigation aspect of it, which plays really well. You know, certainly uh, any fan of the X-Files, I think will easily kind of slide into this and be like, okay, I know where we're at. You know, let's get the full story here. Um, it, 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 it's just, yeah, it's, it's a great episode for, for all of those reasons, but it's also a brilliant episode for the introduction of Hannah. Did I mention I love Hannah? Um, the introduction of Hannah's theme. Did I mention I love Hannah's theme? Uh, but but perhaps even more so than all of that, the the continued character arc for Ben and for Addison and, and, and what this means. And I am so invested um, in Ben right now. And, 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 and again, Raymond Lee's performance deserves to be seen and praised far and wide because he's doing just phenomenal incredible work and caitlin bassett is there with him every step of the way um she's doing just some incredible incredible stuff Th those moments when you know she 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 feels like she's conveying so many different emotions throughout the course of this episode the the uncomfortability the you know kind of anger almost you know the the disbelief the shock the um the care i mean everything that she's that she's doing um it, it's great you know and, and and with a character that sometimes is there to you know give us some exposition basically it's really really lovely to see her get these moments of um uh, of her own character arc and, and of course how that's related to ben uh specifically in this episode and, and they they just do some really beautiful work and for as much praise, of course, as I'm giving Ray during those scenes, like where he's, you know, he's jumping over the fence or they're in the hotel room together. You know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't have Caitlin, I don't know that those scenes are successful and, and, and she's just balancing out his work so, so wonderfully. And it's just some lovely work that she's doing um, and, and some of the best work that we've seen from her period, you know, through the course of the season. And, and again, this is the first thing she's ever done. Ah, it's incredible. Um, and uh, I want to give her her laurels too, because she, she richly deserves them. And I think that episode four, you're not ready for what she's, what she's capable of. Uh, some, some really great stuff coming. Um, and uh, the writing, you know, the writing, I mean, my goodness, the dialogue, some of this emotional dialogue, and it feels like the scenes like, the the scenes between Ben and Hannah 
the scenes between Ben and the sheriff, like in the car, for instance, uh, and then all of the, you know, the Addison Ben scenes when it's just the two of them legitimately just some of the best written scenes that we have had like period um and uh in the show and 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 i really i'm enjoying them a great deal and uh the insights into the characters into into those situations anyway you know it's like anyone who's ever lost someone anyone who's ever felt these feelings like you can engage with this in a way where you just are like yeah I get it. I get it. You just know you connect with it. And, uh, and that's, uh, I think a hallmark of, of, of really good writing is when you can connect to it so easily. So, and it's, it's universal, you know, people have felt these things through since the dawn of time, you know, the dawn of, of, of humankind, you know, we, we, we felt these things and, um, to be able to have them on display in this way, I think is incredibly helpful. And it's one of those things about why, you know, why art is important in general and why even a, a piece of kind of like, you know, what could be looked at as kind of like pop, pulp, fiction, TV, genre, trope TV, whatever you want to call it, uh, is still capable of that, especially when it's done well and done and, and done effectively. And this, and this certainly is. So Closure Encounters gets, you know, my, my highest recommendation. I think it's a fantastic episode. Uh, it's, it is, um, you know, it stands up to repeat viewings. I've seen it three times now, three and a half. Um, I, I didn't finish just because, uh, I had to start the interview with Romy, but, um, yeah, it, 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 it's great. Stands up to repeat viewings. And I think that this one will definitely be a high point of season two. Um, if not a high point of the whole series thus far, just some really, really wonderful stuff. And it is very dependent, obviously on things that have occurred before. I don't necessarily know that this is an episode you can just jump into unaware. Um, I do think you could appreciate it. And I do think that you, you, you'll get up to speed. Um, will some of the moments land quite as deeply and, and with as much impact if you're, if you're not aware aware of what's come before i don't know um but but yeah it, it, it's it's just a great episode of quantum leap so kudos to uh the cast the crew romy lore chris grismer uh, everyone who worked on this episode um just really really deserves a lot of credit because i think it's a it's a great one um and you know what else is great people like you um i'm so grateful for anyone who has uh tuned in seen this episode listened to this episode make sure you're hitting the like the subscribe um, you know, finding me wherever you get your podcasts, coming over to the YouTube channel. Um, come on over to YouTube. It's fun. Uh, I have a lot of fun doing the videos. Um, I, I don't do, you know, anything special with them at all. So apologies. Um, uh, maybe I'll get some bells and whistles in here, but you know, being a one person operation, it's just only so much I could do. But, uh, anyway, the, um, the journey uh, continues and I'm just grateful for you all. I'm grateful for uh, all of the support. Um, again, whether you are uh, watching, listening, liking, subscribing, commenting, interacting, thank you for all the comments uh, on, on the last episode. Really appreciate it, Adrian. Stellar, thank you so much for your support. Um, and uh, of course, if you want to support the show in other ways, there is the uh, Patreon. So you can head over to Patreon Fates Wide Wheel um, and uh, support the show monetarily if you so choose. Before you do that, though, there's a lot of horrible, awful shit going on in the world and everybody can use a little help and we could all do setting uh, some things right that are currently going wrong. So if you have the opportunity, um, you know, in your community, what's close to you, what means something to you, give back in any way, whether that's volunteering your time, donating uh, some money, clothes, food, whatever you might be able to do, it helps. And, and I, I believe firmly in a world where we can all coexist peacefully and happily and helping one another, um, being there for one another. 
And, um, you know, certainly that's one of the great things about this community is that I know that I felt times when I felt pretty low or, or some things have happened in my life and people have been there and they've showed support and caring and kindness. And I believe in that kindness, never fail to be kind. Um, and uh, I, I, I think that uh, the world in which we live in right now, there's, there's a lot of people hurting and um, love and mercy peace. And if you can, if you can help out in any way, please do. And if you're looking for, you know, some, some charities or some recommendations, I will always, always, always recommend the Trevor Project and Doctors Without Borders. Those are two charities that I support personally uh, and have for a number of years now. Um, so yeah, get out there and help if you can in any way that you can. If after all of that, you still want to throw a dime my way, I I'm grateful for it because it really does help, uh, keep the show on. Um, and, uh, it helps to, to pay for all the incidentals and, uh, you know, possibly some new equipment. Um, although I'm not in desperate need of that right now, but there are hosting fees and other assorted fees, um, that, that I am responsible for and, uh, and, and every little bit helps. So I appreciate you so much. Of course, you will uh, be getting shortly, uh, you, you'll be getting early access to to interviews. Um, I, I haven't been able to put that together for the Romy Lore interview for a variety of reasons, but that'll definitely be happening down the road because there will be some interviews. So you'll get that, um, you know, uh, probably a day uh, earlier or two days earlier. Um, uh, and uh, then, of course, there are the, uh, the watch-alongs, which I know with when the show airs, it can be difficult to make those, uh, but I really appreciate everyone who is coming out. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and, and, and there's always the possibility and the potential to have some special guests, uh, pop in as they did last season, a little bit more difficult, obviously, because when the episode finishes airing, uh, I believe it's only like six o'clock Pacific time. And that's when the writer's room is kind of closing down, uh, based off of what little I know. So, um, yeah, people have already had a long work day. I don't know how many people are going to be able to pop in, but hopefully that will happen. Uh, I've got some great interviews uh, that I'm conducting this weekend. Really, really looking forward to that. Oftentimes on the discord server or uh in those watch alongs i'll let slip who i'm getting the chance to talk to before uh i let it uh slip to the to the uh, public at large so other other you know little benefits and i'm certainly looking up and thinking about other ways that that um I can do that for you because I, I want to offer, you know, as many robust benefits as I can, but uh, hopefully just supporting the show is enough. That's my spiel. Thank you all so much. I really, really, really cannot tell you what it means to me. And sometimes I'm still mystified over the fact that people do it. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, and I'm grateful for, for everyone who does. Um, that's it. That's all I've got for this week. Uh, it has been a lot of fun talking about closure encounters. Obviously I've talked quite a bit about closure encounters. Uh, make sure you check out the interview with Romy Lore. Uh, Romy's fantastic. She's fun. She's engaging and, uh, just did an incredible work on this episode. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just, I love the spirit of collaboration. I love uh, so much about what she has to say about the work. So check out that interview. Some really interesting tidbits, uh, about that character of Hannah. Um, about the situations under which some of these scenes were filmed. Um, just some great insights in general and uh, wonderful information that you are going to want to know. Uh, but in the meantime, take care of yourselves, take care of one another, stay safe out there. And remember, always, always leap responsibly. <laughs>